On this episode of Resi Week, ISE moves to Barcelona and moving from retail to appointment only. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week episode 128, appointment only. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Daylight, the leading producer of high-quality projection screens worldwide. And by Utelogy. Welcome to Resi Week. This is your weekly wrap-up of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott for avnation.tv. And today I'm pleased to be joined by my good friend, Heather Sidorowicz. She is the president of Southtown AV. How are you, ma'am? I am doing... Ducky. Jockey? Ducky. You know, Ducky. Ducky like peachy yeah. keen. Ducky. Yeah. Life's like good. It. It's Monday. So far, so good. Fantastic, considering it's two o'clock. So you're doing good. <laughs> then we have my other good friend, uh, Stephen Bronner. He's the president of Pro Audio Georgia. How you doing, bud? Man, I am great. I, it's a beautiful day in Georgia. And I get to be on screen with two beautiful people and Matt Scott. It's awesome, man. <laughs> Why do I invite you back? Oh, it kills me. You, you, you don't. I do. I know that's what I'm going to say because <laughs> I, I don't have any scheduling control. Uh, the person you heard right there is my other friend. Uh, these are pretty much my, my three friends. Uh, Tim Albright, he's the founder of AV Nation. How are you, bud? Uh, I am also ducky. So I'm Perfect. Just, yeah. Well, I'm going to be peachy today, so we'll, we'll go with that. Uh, we're going to kick this off with a story that kind of broke-ish. Uh, I don't know if it was supposed to break last week. Uh, this came down that ISC is going to be moving their their trade show in February from the Rye in Amsterdam over to a place I can't exactly pronounce very well over in Barcelona for 2021. Uh, it gives us two years left in Amsterdam, uh, and they're essentially they're moving the show because they've outgrown the Rye. Uh, every uh, exhibitor continues to ask for more space, bigger space, and you have more exhibitors coming in, as you saw if you attended this past year with Hall 15 being a tent in a parking lot. Uh, so they're definitely kind of bursting at the seams, and this gives them a great opportunity to grow. Tim, I'm actually going to start with you on this one, uh, just because our other two guests haven't been there yet. Yet. Uh, yet. See? Notice the way I preface that. So, Tim, as far as... Uh, the experience. Obviously, there'll be some differences as far as the town and the local entertainment and, and things like that. But in, in two years' time, will we really see a major change with the change in locale? Uh, well, uh, the, the location they're going to um, has 400,000 square meters uh, available to it. The Rye, I want to say the, the Rye, with the additions that they've, that they've done the last few years, ISC, Integrated Systems Europe, used up 53,000 square meters. So there's a lot more space available. What's going to be interesting is, and I want to say there was 14 halls, 13 or 14 halls available in Barcelona, whereas currently, uh, the current, uh, this past year, ISC, there were 15 halls. So it, the, the fact that it's, it's going to be a little bit more, um, the, the halls themselves will be bigger by virtue of the fact that you have 14 halls with spread over, uh, 
quarter, um, you know, 400,000 square meters. That right there is going to change the experience. Mm-hmm. Because one of the things, one of the drawbacks, and, and Mike Blackman, the head of, of ISE and, and folks that run the show, they understand this, they've addressed this, is the compartmentalization of each hall. We say there's, there's 15 halls, but hall one doesn't necessarily connect to with, with hall um, two and two. three. And four. It's, not, it's not really you know, uh, sequential that way. So you know, the experience getting from one place to another is, is somewhat difficult. There was 80,000 people there last year. I want to say that they all probably showed up on Tuesday morning because Matt and I were trying to get from point A to point B. It was very, it was very difficult. It was rough. It was great. Uh, in talking with Dave Labuskas that week, he, he referenced Christmas shopping. Uh, so there was absolutely that feel, the press of people and the excitement. Um, beginning from hall to hall is, 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 is a little, is a challenging uh, at, at, the, at the ISE show every year. So I think that experience itself is going gonna, is gonna to give folks, number one, uh, a new experience. And number two, it's going to give the exhibitors uh, a little bit more space, a little bit more, you know, breathing room, elbow room. I know that that uh, Mr. Blackman has has mentioned that several exhibitors over the last few years have asked for more space so they can increase the size of their stand. It's going to give them the ability to do that. So you get some of the marquee uh, exhibitors. Um, you, you guys can probably name five or ten off the top of your head who are probably constrained right now in the size of their stand they're going to be able to expand it out and do different things and do more things and maybe have a secondary or a third booth in a different part of, of the exhibit space to kind of bring people around back around to the, the main one. So I think that experience is going to be um, a little bit different as well. What I don't expect to change though, and you didn't ask this, but I'm going to give it to you anyway, is Thanks. stuff that makes ISE ISE. They have a ton of free education all day, every day, Mm-hmm. Uh, Tuesday through Friday, they have all these little individual lounges or stages where people get up and they talk for 10, 15, 20 minutes, very TED Talk-like. Uh, some of those spaces also include hour-long discussions. I have, for the past four years now, I, I've moderated a panel um, over in the UC, uh, the UCC Pavilion for an hour-long discussion with, with several uh, manufacturers. So I, I don't expect those things to change. Um, the uniqueness, of the, the, the stuff that makes ISE, the experiences, um, and, and the special events that they put around it. You know, last year, they had the, the World Championship of Projection Mapping, and I expect things like that to, to remain as well. Very good. Tim, have you, you I've, I'm sure you've attended CES, Is this, right? I have I, never Vegas? attended CES, and I am, I am. Matt, have you? Nope. See, I, I want to know, I'd like to hear from someone, what's the comparison between the two as in how big it is, the amount of people, the amount of space? I mean, CES, well, I believe, is up to almost 2 million square feet. Yeah, it, it, it's still significantly smaller, but you also, from an experience standpoint, it's still a professional. You oh, know, absolutely! The, the Infocom and the the Cedia channel. It's much show. more focused on what we yes. do. Sure, yeah, very much. I was so. just wondering, Justin. I mean, CES is so overwhelming; it makes it not a happy place. I, ISC, I would say, is can be overwhelming, but only because, as, as Tim alluded to, the existing halls are are they're smaller. They're not, you know, the Las Vegas conventions that are massive North and South halls. Um, it, it's just a, a different show from that standpoint, but you bring up a good point and I was coming to you next. Heather, having been to, you know, Infocom and Cedia and CES, when you hear, you know, all of the, the excitement around ISE, your company works ex- extensively in both residential and commercial. Do you as a, a local integrator, who's not necessarily on a national level yet. Um, do you see, you're welcome. 
I like that. Do you, do you see any, you know, attraction to going to ISC other than just for the experience? Can you, can you make a business case for yourself to go to ISC? That's a good question because, um, well, I'll pull it back a little bit. When I, when we started pointing our ship more in that commercial direction um, was the first time we went to Infocom. And I remember years even before that looking at Infocom and being really overwhelmed by the brochure. Like I just didn't know what all those letters meant at the time and all that craziness. But once I went, seeing, seeing the, the, the experience there, having the experience, seeing the products that you just can't Google search for, getting the sense for who those people are, who the engineers are, what people are using has been priceless. Mm-hmm. So we've attended Infocom every year except this last year because we were in London. Um, although you did both that month. Um, so because I've had a lot of this buzz on ISC, it makes me want to, it definitely makes me want to attend. Like it, It's on my to-do list. But I think that part of that might have a little bit to do with the fact from the writing perspective side as well. Um, right. If I only attended one show a year, then yeah, maybe, you know, why, why not? Why not have that overall experience? I think the user interface, the user experience, having it worldwide could also be uh, an advantage. So you're seeing things not just from our myopic perspective. Steven, your company has done it and you've, you've shown me and shared with me some, you know, some of the projects, some of the really high-end residential projects that you guys have done. One of the biggest differences we notice between the Cedia show and the residential portion of ISC is that there is some very, very, uh, you know, eclectic, very design-focused products that that we only see at ISC. As somebody who you know can work in those those high-end markets, is it something that would draw you to again, whether it's in Amsterdam or Barcelona or you know Frankfurt? It, it doesn't matter where it is. Would that draw you? over to see it and have a step up on your local competition? I don't know the answer to that. And, and the reason why is because I do some system design for people in other countries. And <clears throat> I think that it's very interesting as you look at other countries and you look at the different products that are available, the, the electricity is different. The, everything's different. The walls, the way that the, if you go to um, England and you – you you look at their wall switches the wall switches are different and it's my concern and the reason why i haven't made a focus to go to ise i mean to yeah to go to ise is because in america when we have a show like that like infocom everything is based on american standards now you get to see people from all over the world you know you get to see all these different manufacturers and what they have to offer but you don't have to filter out the stuff that's not really there for you um yeah so i would say it the reason why i would go to ise it actually has very little to do with the show um i want to meet the people i want to talk to people from around the world that do what we do (laughs) i saw that (laughs) i want to talk to people from around the world that do what we do because that's why i'm in this industry I, I'm going to be honest with you. The technology is not that hard. Um, I dealt with far. I dealt. <laughs> I dealt with. Far, I dealt with far more complicated technology when I was launching missiles and and playing with military toys 
Okay, um, let, let's clarify. Stephen was in the military. Yes. <laughs> out back in the backwoods of Georgia with a rocket. <laughs> well, he might have been doing that too. Wait a minute. But you don't primarily, it was in the military. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, is the, the technology is, um, it's fun. It really is fun. I'll give it that. But what I love about this industry is you guys, the people. So I want to go and I want to go to ISC and I want to meet people and I want to hear that people in Spain are also having to tell their customers to please plug it in before you try to use it. You know, I, I want to hear that people in Australia are also hearing the terms, this never worked. You know, I, I want to, I, I really want to talk to the people from around the world. So the show movie had no bearing to me. I will say this, Amsterdam has a pretty nasty international reputation. It does. Now, I know they've tried to clean it up, and I, I, from what I understand, they've done a decent job. But I can tell you that every single time I mention to somebody I might be going to Amsterdam, I get the exact same response. I don't think you're going to get that barrier going to Barcelona. So um, Barcelona to me, and this is an ignorant outlook because I've never been there, but when I hear Barcelona, it makes me think of a more majestic, more beautiful, more clean place than Amsterdam. When I think of Amsterdam, the only thing, the first thing that comes to mind is red light district, you know, stuff like that. It's the stuff you hear your whole life. So I think it's a good a good move for ISC. I think it's going to end up being great for them in the future. But if from somebody who's never been, I can only speak on the peripheral of it. I just want to go meet the people. Very good. All right, let's move on to our next story. This comes to us from Residential Systems and our own Heather Sidorovich. Ta-da! Great job, Heather. Uh, the title of this is Why We Are Calling It Quits to Retail. And, you know, Heather opened this with a fantastic story that we have all heard and experienced multiple times and that Stephen just alluded to of a, a customer coming in saying this doesn't work and, well, let's look you up. And, oh, wait, you didn't buy it from us. You, you, you haven't ever worked with us in the past. You don't want to schedule a technician to come fix this for you. You just want some free advice and, I'm and sure it's easy. at the door. I'm sure it's yeah, easy. It's just always easy. Just tell me. One, two, three, and we're done. Uh, so essentially what Heather's done is, is her and her company, they have gone to uh, an appointment-only uh, situation. And this is not uncommon. This is something we continue to see within the channel. So Heather, I, I do want to start with you on this. This is, and, and you, you disclose this at the end. This was not something that you came to, you know, quickly or off the cuff or had one bad experience where all of a sudden it's like, I'm done, I'm out, dropping Absolutely the mic, not. I'm going. This was, you know, as you stated here, a, a year out. And I would argue that it was probably even longer than that. It probably was. Um, so, go ahead. So when you, when you look at this, because this is a, this is part of the channel that seems to continue to erode, keeps seeming to disappear. The whole, you know, heck, even walk into a Best Buy. They don't showroom things the way they used to. There's very rarely a, you know, a theater in a Best Buy anymore. There's some TVs and an open air Atmos demo that's supposed to wow you. What do you say to other integrators that currently have a showroom that's open to the public, that have a retail environment, who are, you know, maybe readdressing that? I think that you have to choose the sandbox you want to play in. Um, and then you have to, 
fight hard for for that piece of business. So if, you know, in full disclosure, and I, I think I've mentioned that in my article, is we've, we've really grown in the commercial market. Um, and that has allowed us to pull back our retail hours to begin with. Um, that in conjunction of having younger kids was I didn't want to work 12 hours a day and work at 8 o'clock at night and all weekends. So those were the logical pieces um, in that. And then when we really started paying attention to who is walking in the door and what are those needs. Now, I remember back in the 90s in my early sales training days, um, long before I, I worked here, or long before I owned the company, um, of I think I worked at American Eagle at the time. And you were taught to, when someone walked inside the retail store, you, would, you were supposed to look at them. What are they wearing? What bags are they carrying? Because you could turn anyone into a client. It was all about the open-ended questions, right? Not, can I help you? The answer is no, but what can I help you with? What are you looking for today? Um, the problem is our society has changed so much that we can Google anything. We buy our TVs with our toilet paper. They stopped becoming a luxury and started becoming a commodity um, that we really had to pay. When we started paying attention, we saw that these people were, you were unable to turn them into clients. Um, if I could monetize the way to, to share information with the world all day, um, although I do that with Cedia and being on Cedia board and being here, um, I would do that. I, I really enjoy people and teaching people and being part of that experience. But um, at some point, you have to make money. You have to feed your kids. You got to pay your car payment. You got to pay your employees. And uh, just the, the expectations of the average bear who is coming in were interesting to say the least they they just they, they would ask you for the questions they didn't want to pay for any kind of service they certainly didn't want to pay you you could just tell them because it must be easy um what do i say to others out there um i think there are unique different clever ways i think that if you were just 100 percent or really founded in the residential market there are ways to still make money doing that but you'd have to be pretty creative to do it very good. Steven, you've never had a retail environment, correct? No, sir. That doesn't necessarily mean that you only cater to high end. No, sir. And I, I think that's one of the things that occasionally gets, that clouds this issue is people seem to, you know, attribute, oh, if you've had a showroom and it's appointment only, you only cater to high end. You'll only deal with that, you know, multi-million dollar project. Uh, whereas as, as I'm, hoping that that's not always the case for someone like yourself who has never had a retail environment and, you know, does serve a, a wide spread of, of clientele. How do you combat not having a demo environment? Cause not every client necessarily warrants an in-home, you know, three hour demo with you lugging a pair of speakers in. So, as few of you can probably tell, I have a pretty outgoing personality. So, really, I, uh, I managed to uh, listen. I have this theory in life: if you're cool to people, people will be cool to you. So Most people cool. are good people. Just yeah. be cool, people. And so, what happens is, is I get all these amazing projects. I get these amazing clients. And if I have a client come to me and say, "Hey, I, I'm I'm really interested in this technology, but I want to know that it works." That's only a phone call away. I can call my clients now. Of course, we all have our, our very private, very secretive clients. 
However, most of my clients, if I call them and say, hey, I've got a guy who's looking at a system similar to yours. I know your housekeeper comes on Wednesday afternoon. Can we come through on Thursday and see the place and just walk through? They will. And that's just it. You treat your clients like people instead of profit margins. And when it's time for them to reciprocate, they will. So that's how I overcome it. I overcome it because my clients freaking love it. And that's just the way it goes. And I go, I go beyond for those clients. If I have a client that has a problem, I, I'll put it to you like this. And I know there's this big thing out there about turning your phone off or whatever. You know what? I got two boys and two girls. My boys are both 6'3". Don't tell me to turn my phone off. Them kids eat all the time. So, <laughs> um, so last night, I, uh, <laughs> last night, it's Sunday night, 10 o'clock at night, I get a text message from a client. Now, this client in the last two years has probably spent, I don't know, about $80,000. So the client calls last, or texts me last night and said, I'm sorry if I'm bothering you, but I'm having problems with my internet. I said, no problem. I texted him back and said, no problem. I called him immediately, told him exactly what to do. Comcast has sent out a reset. It blocked my exterior access. It took us about five to 10 minutes on the phone for him to open that back up for me through the modem. And then I told him, you go to bed, and when you get up in the morning, I guarantee your network will be solid. Now, what he doesn't know is it took me about 10 minutes. To so it's not like I stayed up all night working on it. But it was one of those things where Comcast had sent an update to the modem. I took care of it immediately. Now, the next time I need something, that guy is going to look and he's going to say, well, of course, Stephen, you're always there for me. And I hear this all the time. Stephen, you're always there for us. Of course, you know, no problem. Do whatever you need to do. So you're not so, charging for that, what you did? No, 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 no. It, I have this rule. <clears throat> and it's a, it's, a, it's a crazy rule, but I do business like my grandparents did. All my business is on handshakes. Um, I don't have these huge contracts. You're a brave man. Yeah, I understand. I understand. But, also but, but he's also been in business for how many years, too, doing it that way? Now, uh, obviously there are different ways you can do it different ways. But you've been yeah. doing it for how many years? 13 years. So, I mean, I, and, and I know, so what I say is, is, is we overcome the lack of a showroom by taking care of our clients and using our clients' homes that will allow it as a demonstration material. But, you know, there's, there's always that, there's always that client that wants to see it work. And so you just have to be cool to them. So that's my, my, my last thing that I, the thing I want to reiterate is, is that I think the move that Heather made was awesome. It was from the top rope. She made a huge financial and, and business decision. And it took a lot of guts because here you are, you're cutting off potential income in order to, you're basically, it's one of those things, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. She's keeping her bird in her hand. Yeah, there may be a couple in the bush and one of those might get away, but at the end of the day, She's got her bird in hand. And I, I love the fact that she did that. I think it was an awesome move. Um, I just don't see a showroom, and, and this is just my opinion, in my, in, in my little world down here in Georgia, a showroom is just not necessary. Um, you know, it, it's cool, and I get it, but it's just not necessary. So that's how I overcome it. Very good. Tim, when, when you look at this, when you look at the – the shift in the market away from showrooms, away from retail environments, and you know even the big chains—they're slowly getting out of this. 
no matter what they tell you or no matter what they're saying in their marketing, our two local Best Buys, one of which did have a Magnolia-esque uh, location, just got revamped and neither of them do. Uh, when you when you see this, is this something that is in theory detrimental to the industry in general to not have environments that are easily accessible? Because Stephen's example is, is fantastic, but it only works if he's got clients that are willing to do it and if he can line up those three schedules to make that happen. If he gets a, a call off the cuff from somebody who is making a decision in the next three days, it doesn't matter what the price point is, he may not be able to make the logistics of that happen. Is this detrimental, uh, moving away, not, not what Heather's done, but moving away completely away from showrooms or any sort of experience environment? Is it detrimental to the technology and the, the industry in general? I don't think it's detrimental to the technology or the industry. Uh, what I, I, the other side of that I would argue is I think it's more detrimental to keep going down the showroom pathway in larger and larger ways. And I, what I mean by that is, is take what both Heather and, and Stephen said. Heather mentioned the fact that, that the majority of clients are looking things up on the, net, on, on the internet. They're able to Google this. They're able to look on Amazon and, and, and possibly shop a good portion of the system on Amazon. Obviously, you know, the, the smarts and, and the, the expertise that CDM members and, and the people in the residential industry are able to bring to that. That's the value, right? Mm -hmm. But increasingly needing to have a, a showroom that demonstrates everything, um, I, I think is, is cost prohibitive. Um, now, one thing that's interesting, it, 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 we've been talking about showrooms for almost, well, it feels like almost two or three months now because a couple mm -hmm. months ago, Control 4 came out and they did a big push with a bunch of their dealers. They opened up well over 100 what they called Control 4 certified showrooms. Now, these were dealers who had partnered with Control 4 and they had a, a dedicated Control 4 area. That was done in conjunction with a major manufacturer. That, I think, it, there's a lot of value there, and obviously, depending on, on who you're, you're, you're selling and who you have a partnership with, uh, there's, there's still some value there in showing the whole home integrated section uh, uh, technology if you can do that and if, you, if it makes financial sense for you. But I don't think it's detrimental in any way, shape, or form because if you're able to coordinate, um, whether it's you know, Stephen's version of coordinating with the clients that he has, or it's even from, from Heather's standpoint, uh, she still has a showroom, right? It's, it's getting mm -hmm. right on, you know, by appointment only, but the space is still physically there. She's not, you know, manning it. She doesn't have to have employees there, well, you, know, you know, eight, 10, 12 hours a day, you know, seven days a week. She can still demo the, the technology part if they are unfamiliar with it, right? If these people haven't done a whole lot of, of research themselves. The other part, the other option is a lot of what, what commercial folks are doing, which is setting up their own conference rooms or setting up their own, their own space. Um, talk about, you know, our, our old buddy, Rich Fragoza. Now, I'm not suggesting this for everybody, but his house is his lab, right? Mm -hmm. His home is his demo space. If somebody wants to see how something works in an actual home, Rich is crazy enough to, to actually put it in his, in his home network and go, okay, here's how it works on mine. You know, come by the garage, come by the house and, and see how it works. So that's also another option. Very good. All right. I, I had one last question uh, on this topic for, for the panel before we go. Is this something that, you know, again, to, to Tim's point, you're not going to showroom every product you have. 
you might carry, I, I know for my company, we easily have something like 70 plus SKUs of residential speakers that we sell. Um, we don't sell all of them all the time, but we've, we've got a bunch. We're not going to demo all of those. We're not going to demo, you know, even half the TVs that we sell. But is this an opportunity to switch to more of a, you know, directed marketing showroom, if you will, where you have either a, a VR experience or even just a very well put together tour of one of your client's homes that is not posted generally all over the place, but is available to you almost as a lookbook. That's something that construction industry and, and some of those high-end, you know, kitchen bath people do all the time. They do lookbooks. Is that something that is a better fit or, or an extension of either your showroom or your, your lack of showroom, your client's home showrooms? Is that something that has, has value here? Um, I will say this. It takes granite millions of years to form. So um, it hasn't changed. And having a lookbook for something like um, a toilet or a countertop or kitchen cabinets, that works really, really well. But I don't know about having a lookbook for technology. But are you selling the box or are you selling the experience, the solution? And see, that's what exactly where I was going with this. Interesting you say that. You're selling the experience. How do you relay an experience through a book? That just, and the reason why I say that is, is every single customer is going to use that interface differently. I don't care if the interface says, touch anywhere on this screen and your TV will come on. These people will touch the wall and complain. So I, my, my point is, is that I think that a lookbook is really good if you want to show off how pretty your TV mounting is or maybe some custom work that you did. Hey, check this out. This customer came out of nowhere and he wanted it mounted in Area 51 with an alien holding it. So my thing is, is if you can, if you can go to your clients and you can say, here's a picture of some insane requests that I've had. And I used to do this. I still do occasionally. Here's some insane requests that I've had. And one of my company's slogans is the answer is always yes. So when a customer comes and says, can you do, I always say yes. You know, the answer is always yes, just bring money. So what we do is we say, hey, here's a book full of pictures you can look at, but to say that you could demonstrate the efficiency and, and how, how you separate yourself in your field through a picture book is pretty difficult in what we do. Very good. All right. And on the me, it on somebody smart like Heather. No, I, <laughs> yeah, it, I just, I think we're on a precipice, right? We're, we're all recreating and we don't really, I don't think anybody really knows the answer. I went to my local mall and Gap was closed. If Gap can't make it in retail, what is it locally? And they're, they're not closing all together, but we're decently affluent um, area. What, what does that mean, right? It means that everything is changing and we have to all be creative to reinvent ourselves to be able to survive. For me, if that means that I'm comfortable enough to say, I'm going to be an experience center and you need to make an appointment for Steven, he's going to do it by... Steven's going to sell it because he's going to tell you that story with that great Southern draw and you're just going to open up your pocketbook and not realize you did it. Right. We all are out there. We have to reinvent ourselves to stay alive. And uh, however you do it, just make sure you're doing something because those who haven't are now vacant storefronts. 
Very good. And on that bright and cheery note, <laughs> we're, we're going to end. <laughs> so if you missed it, reinvent yourself. Otherwise, you're destined to die. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you, uh, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us today. Heather, if people want to connect with you, uh, make an appointment for your showroom, uh, you know, read something that you've, you've written because you're writing for everyone these days, it seems. Uh, where can they go and do that? Um, well, I like to uh, chat on Twitter. I'm tech underscore chi, C-H-I. Um, you'll probably get the most uh, ridiculousness out of me there. Um, but also southtownav.com is our website or just Google me and you'll find me somewhere. Very good. Stephen, thanks as always for joining us. If people want to connect with you, learn more about Pro Audio Georgia, where can they do that? They can go to proaudiogeorgia.com. <laughs> See, if I did that, that would be deemed inappropriate. It would. It was inappropriate when he did it. Don't, don't misunderstand. <laughs> now everyone's like, I got to watch the video. Hey guys. <laughs> I just literally got a phone call right as I was talking. So you can go to ProAudioGeorgia.com. Uh, you can look me up on ProAudio underscore GA.com or ProAudio underscore GA on Twitter because technology is hard and I can't figure this stuff out. And um, just, just look me up. And if you're ever anywhere in the Atlanta area, give me a call. I'm easy to find. And if you see, uh, if you're at a trade show, look around, tall, goofy country guy, that's me. <laughs> He's the only one for sure. Tim, thanks so much for jo for joining us. If people want to connect with you, uh, where can they find your musings about how bad the Blues are? Uh, the Blues have actually done a whole lot, including getting a, a very nice player from from Heather's team, uh, the Sabers. So uh, yeah, I won't. Thank you. Although you guys got three players, um, so, so you better do something decent. Um, uh, TD Tim David Albright uh, on the Twitters, and I'll I'll complain about the Blues and the and the Bears here in about three or four weeks. No, the Bears are done. It's over. All Not right, yet. they have to play one official pregame, and then yes, no, they had the draft, and it wasn't so oh, great. Gosh. They're done. Uh, thanks again for joining us. For myself, if you'd like to connect with me, you can find me at Matt D. Scott on Twitter and most other social platforms. But more importantly, please stop by avnation.tv. You'll find this show as well as a wide variety of our other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our underwriters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out and support them as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week.